This podcast is a Majestic Giraffe production. For more information and more content, visit MajesticGiraffe.com. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. are clean, the vaporizers are patched, and the speeders fueled. It's time to pick up some blue milk and power converters. You're listening to Toshi Station Radio, brought to you by the Majestic Giraffe Network. Now here are your hosts for the Snarkiest Podcast in Star Wars and Geek Culture, Brian and Nancy. From the outskirts of Anchorhead and on the shores of the Great Chot Flats, you're listening to Tashi Station Radio, the bright center in the universe for all things Star Wars and geek culture. I'm your host, Brian, and with me, as always, is my co-host and wife, Nancy. Hi! On today's episode, we're talking all about The Force Awakens with our friends Jay and Brian. Uh, We're about to get started, so sit back, grab the power converters, and enjoy the show. We're a Star War. (laughs) That's all... That's all we have. That, that's all we have. See you later, See folks. You. We're going to go watch Force Awakens again. We're going to go watch again. Force Awakens again. <laughs> yes, we have uh, Jay from 1138 back on the show. Welcome back, Jay. Pleasure to be back. You will be able to hear him on our of Dice and Droids podcast starting next month. Shameless plug. Uh, and we also have uh, Brian from EU Cantina. Hello, Brian. Hey, good to be here. And uh, we are all here for one reason and one reason only. The Force Awakens. But before that, a note from our sponsors. <laughs> Tashi Station Radio is brought to you in part by our awesome Patreon subscribers. Click the link on Tashi-Station.net for more details and learn how you can support the show and help us keep the lights on and do other such fun things. And we're also brought to you in part by Her Universe. Flaunt your world with Star Wars, Star Trek, Marvel, Transformers, Doctor Who, and other fandom-inspired wardrobe and jewelry. Click the link on our blog to purchase awesome geek gear and keep the lights running on the podcast. And purchase some of The Force Awakens-themed merchandise like the awesome, uh, everything awesome about Rey, because you should all have Rey clothing in your life. And if you don't, what's wrong with you? Exactly. Uh, yeah, so we're dumping the normal format this week because we don't want to talk about anything else. We don't. I mean, what's new on the blog? The Force Awakens. What have we been doing? The, the Force, Force Awakens. Awakens. What's in the news? The, the Force, Force Awakens. Awakens. <laughs> uh, news. Force Awakens made a crap load of money. Holy, well, so much. I think we can talk about that <laughs> yeah. first. Uh, but yeah, Cammy's concerns this week, it's all about the Force Awakening. Yeah, let's start with that massive haul. Uh, a lot of people were hesitant that it would make so much money because it was coming out close to christmas to which the force awakens said (laughs) fools yeah so last night um it was the estimate was 238 million domestically which blew uh the old record held by jurassic world out of the water and 517 million globally which just missed the crown there and then this morning rolls around and Bob Eager releases the uh, revised numbers or more of the actuals that had the global haul at, a, at $528 million. Mm, Holy yes. crap. Yeah. It's, it's made a lot. I mean, every showing we've been to has been full. I don't know about you guys, Jay or Brian, but every time we've gone, it's been sold out. Completely full. Last yeah, time we I went there, we went 45 minutes early and we had to sit in the front. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I've seen movie theaters this full. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like even the first showing on Sunday morning 
like at 11.30. It was packed. And the Saturday night was nice because we went to a theater with reserved seating, so we didn't have to get there super early. But it was all, every seat was taken. It was crazy. <laughs> and like Places have been having like 5.15 a.m. showings. Like yeah. this movie is playing around the clock. Yeah, and like we went to the opening night event at Disney and so there was a like 12 different showings I think between seven and eight o'clock that started at staggered times and I I realized later on that they staggered them so not everyone got to Disney afterwards at the same time which was smart (laughs) but it was like you know we got there and I'm like okay it's not that crowded so you know we got our seats we were there like three hours early um but you know it was fine because we were inside and just chilled out and then i was like i'm gonna go get you know a soda and then i'll wait to get popcorn and i went later it was like an hour before the movie started and the line was down the hallway (laughs) i'm like oh i'm glad i went an hour early because there's a lot of people here (laughs) and uh when when, friday when we went it was packed too and you know, during the day on Friday, just, you know, people have to work, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah. yeah. So what formats did we all see, all see this in? Uh, I saw it originally at the Chinese theater in IMAX 3D, then regular 3D and then 2D. So I guess I got a full gamut, which is nice. Yeah. I've only seen 2D. So you have much wider experience mm-hmm. than I do. Yeah, we saw it in 2D and IMAX 3D. And I want to go see it in IMAX 3D again just because the sound quality was amazing. I wasn't wasn't too keen on the actual 3D, but the sound was really great. Um, Yeah, I was disappointed in the sound on my Thursday night screening. Yeah. I'm looking forward to actually one of the screens here uh, has it on IMAX 2D, the old-fashioned way. I wish I could find that anywhere near me. So jealous. Because honestly, the 2D showing was my favorite, despite being the the objectively the lowest quality screen. Because I, 3D, even though 3D in this movie is pretty good, it's still a distraction. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I, I would I'd kill to watch this in IMAX 2D, but I just can't find that anywhere out here. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into it. Uh, It goes without saying that we are spoiling the ever-loving daylights out of this movie yet. So if you haven't seen it yet, what are you doing? Go Go see it. Well, unless you can't, but then don't listen to this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) I know a lot of people were actually waiting to go see it until like Christmas or like, oh, wait until the crowds die down. I'm like, you're going to be waiting a while. while. (laughs) Uh, So let's jump into it. Let's talk the characters and starting with our heroes, uh, Ray. Ray's the best. I love her so much. Yeah, so what what do we think of Ray? What what we saw in this movie? She's obviously the Luke Skywalker of this trilogy. Um and what I uh, I love love her. Yeah. <laughs> what I found so interesting was that she the introduction to her character does so much in without saying a word for like three minutes she doesn't speak when she's on screen and then the first thing you hear is her like yelling at yelling in some alien I think, language and she's at everything and skype is being bad again hang uh, on very, very much so okay 
So, Nancy, keep talking. I'm just switching over internet connections here. I keep going oh. on Ray. Okay. <laughs> um, no, but I love that they how they introduced her. Like you see her scavenging, and it's all it's a whole bunch of show not tell, and the that scene of her in her at at house uh, making dinner and then putting the X wing pilot helmet on was just like everyone kind of laughed when she did that. And I was just like, that's so adorable. And then, like, I was like, oh, that's really super heartbreaking. Yeah, it was really sad when she put that helmet on for me. <laughs> yeah. Like, it shows that longing that she has to go out in the universe, but she knows she can't because she's waiting for her family. Mm-hmm. And, like, so let's just right off the bat say all the people who say that she's a Mary Sue can suck it. <laughs> they would not be saying that if Ray was a male character. I'm sorry, but it's true. Yeah. Well, the funny thing about it is, too, is that you're supposed to see a bit of yourself in the heroes of Star Wars. Like, that's what Luke Skywalker did. That's what Princess Leia did. That's what Han Solo did. So I don't see why this is suddenly a problem with Ray. Maybe that it's more, she's more central than Leia, but... Mm-hmm. You should be projecting, and I think boys and girls can project themselves in Rays. And we and, and we say that with little kids, right? Little ten-year-old boys have no problem saying Ray is awesome. I want to be like Ray. So why can't the grown-ups? Yeah, it's also a problem with the term Mary Sue these days in general. Mm-hmm. Like it started as you know that fan fiction replacement character with the author inserting themselves into the story, and now it's become a catch-all term for women who are too good at things. Yeah. It's not even that; it's women who are competent at things are Mary Sues apparently now, which is total crap. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, it's yeah, it's done. and like you have Poe who's the best pilot in the Resistance, and he's able to fly a TIE fighter, like, immediately. Yeah, <laughs> never flown it before, always wanted to, but can yeah. totally escape from the and Star Destroyer. no one has a problem with that. <laughs> and I mean, like, Ray has said she's flown some ships before, and she doesn't do that great with the Falcon right away either. So. Yeah, no, it's kind of horrifying how yeah. she flies the Falcon at first. Yeah. I was cringing that whole scene. Yeah. And she spent her life as a scavenger, so obviously she's good at repairing things. That's basically her entire existence. So if we're arguing that she's not experienced, well, no, she's com- like she's probably got more experience with maintenance than most techs do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But I I loved her character arc and one of the one of the moments I liked the most about her is that when they arrive on Takedana and she has that moment where she says I I didn't know there was this much green in all the galaxy because it's so like it's it's so sad but like they never had that in moment with Luke like you know he had his whole you know oh my aunt and uncle are dead and that's very sad but he he left Tatooine for the very first time and you never get that recognition of like oh my god I'm in I'm in space like you know right. even even Phantom Menace had Anakin be cold in space yeah like, it's like and and you know Rebels has that moment where Ezra is like I'm in space you know I'm gonna die yeah <laughs> so it was it was really nice to have that like character moment and like I also loved it because the way Han looked at her I know it was so sad he, he was like and it was just like oh my god you're like him <laughs> <laughs> And how beautifully was that communicated, too? Like, you could see it in his face without any words or dialogue. You knew that instant he was thinking of Luke. Yep. Everything in this movie, there's so much told through faces rather than words. Yes. It's beautifully acted. Which is, you know, I we'll talk about this later, but the, yes. last, the last scene is all faces. And 
I, I was kind of ambivalent on, on it at first, but the more I see it, the more I'm like, yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> so, but, um, so Ray, we all love Ray. She's awesome. Finn, what are our feelings about Finn? I mean, I think everyone we're going to think is really awesome. So uh, I was not expecting him to be a quarter as funny as he was. He was so funny. That was the big Amazingly surprise. Funny. Yeah. Oh, John Boyega's comedic timing is amazing. Mm-hmm. I just, and it's just really impressive for a guy that's grown up as a stormtrooper to even have this much personality. Yeah. And I, I, I can't remember who tweeted it. It might have been Cooper said that like he has so much charisma and personality that it's like of course he wouldn't be able to fit into the with the reg- other stormtroopers <laughs> cuz he's just like he you know he can't be held back <laughs> and i just like at, he has ke- he has such good chemistry with everyone like you know you meet him you, and poe oh yeah. man like him and poe you're all like okay they're like boyfriends but then you he meets ray and you're like okay i want them to kiss so it's like <laughs> it's like and then and he with han he's great so you're like okay you have chemistry with every single person and let's not forget finn and bb8 who have a great partnership <laughs> and you know the stormtrooper and the droid have among the most i mean i would I almost say among the most personality of all the characters, but all the characters have a ton of personality, but those two in particular are pretty great. Oh, yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, I do. I love the whole, for as much as people criticized A New Hope for, or criticized uh, Force Awakens for being in A New Hope rehash, you know, the we've never seen a character like Finn before. Um, you know, even like, we, we did get to know some of the clones in like the Clone Wars and, uh, you know, revenge of the sith but you know it it was never portrayed they weren't really portrayed as you know like not wanting to be a part of the army you know and like yeah deserter is a new thing for us yeah and like the 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 idea of finn being raised from birth to be a stormtrooper it's just it's so reeks of the jedi order and it just makes me so happy because it's like basically saying this is a really crappy way to do things don't do it this way they even have that line with um when huck says maybe or kylo says maybe we should use a clone army you know that was some serious shade that was some serious (laughs) shade Yeah, to that point, like just the inversion of a lot of things from the other movies made mm-hmm. it not seem like a straight rehash to me, like so many people are complaining about. Like, yeah. sure, there are all these elements, yeah, I, but they're twisted in such different and new ways that it felt really fresh. I, I feel like the people who are claiming it's a rehash recognized the setups, but didn't recognize the subversions. Yeah. And one of the things I also wonder is, you know, we don't know what Han's backstory is anymore, but if they do keep him being an imperial cadet at one point in time that makes his relationship with finn even more poignant i didn't even think of that that's great yeah because you know he's like you know he i i don't think i don't know if ha if finn or well yeah because then later on at the resistance space you know leia says you know leia knows what happened so obviously han learns what happens but like he probably just can tell with before Finn even confesses that he was a stormtrooper. He's like, yeah, I can figure it out. And, uh, she's going to figure it out too. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And, um, and I, I, I still go back and forth on whether or not I think Finn has some sort of force sensitivity. If anything, if anything, he's very, you know, he's quick to learn things. Um, I, I I think the novelization edges against that, but it's sort of one of those things where you can kind of 
it's, it's a single line that says, you know, he didn't, he couldn't sense what drives Kylo Ren, but yeah. is that referring to the force or empathy or I don't know. Mm -hmm. So you could take it either way probably. Yeah. But either way, he, he is so likable because he will like, he will do anything to help people, you know, like he risks, you know, risk his life to, to rescue Poe. He wants to rescue Ray and then, you know, she doesn't need it. Um, he, you know, freaks out when she gets kidnapped. And then later on, he's like, you know, she gets injured and he's takes up the lightsaber and faces off against this evil <clears throat> bad guy and probably good knows he's going to lose. But damn it, if he's not going to try to do something about it. Yeah. Well, he has a growth arc, first... too. Because mm -hmm. he, yeah. originally he rescues Poe, but only to his own advantage. Originally, he might bail on Ray, but he slowly lets go of that fear and goes towards yeah. more of the heroism that characterizes him at the end of the movie, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, despite the First Order's best attempts, he still is a person with a lot of heart and a yeah. lot of good in him. Yeah, and him wanting to leave is very much like Han wanting to leave at the end of A New Hope, um, which, again, you know, I, I think Han sees a lot of himself in Finn and is like, don't make the same mistakes I did. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Finn, we love him. And then we get to the other character we all love. <laughs> all, who was also way funnier than I was expecting. Yeah. Poe Dameron. Oh, right from the beginning, yeah. Yeah, I was worried. I was worried he was going to be an a-hole. Um, but like from the moment he they shoved him on his knees and he goes, who talks first? You talk first, I talk first. I was like, all right, I love this guy so oh. much. <laughs> I was dying after seeing the press screening on Tuesday. I was like, Brian and Nancy need to see Poe right now. <laughs> it, it felt like Aaron Alston wrote Poe's oh, lines. Yes, it did. It really did. Like, and like, even in the beginning when he's talking with uh, Laura Santeca and like talking about how this is gonna, you know, you know, the general's been looking for this for a long time and it's like he has this you know earnestness about him and like how he believes so much he's doing the right thing but he's still cocky and it's nice because it's like a combination of luke and han yeah and uh, leia P pablo put it best on twitter a couple days ago um uh, poe is poe has the optimism of luke and the swagger of han and it just makes for a great character mm -hmm. yeah definitely and I just, you know, he's, he didn't have as much to do in this movie. I mean. Because apparently the original idea was he was going to die in the first act. Thank, thank God. goodness they did not. Oh my, oh my God. That would have been tragic. I mean, you have Oscar Isaac. You can't use him, you know. And I'm just, I'm really excited to see what happens in like the next two movies. Because, I mean. If it goes the way we think it's going to go and Ray is going to be like Jedi training or being a Jedi, you know, I just I want like Finn and Poe's great adventure, like road trip story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing Poe and Ray interact in the next yeah. movie because we didn't get any of that in this one. Yeah, I do. I, I agree. Like it was kind of sad because, you know, you want all three of them to be awesome, you know and you know ot3 but they didn't have any interaction so it's kind of hard to they did share a jacket though so they all shared a jacket <laughs> my head cannon says that the jacket is now a shatter point yeah like x-wings have always been one of my favorite things about star wars so just having so many great 
mm-hmm. X-Wing scenes in the movie was really, really cool. I know. I kept thinking the whole time I was like, Poe is making his mom so proud. <laughs> and I just, you know, I love, I want to know, I want all of the X-Wing books. Like, and if you haven't read Before the Awakening, just go read Poe section because it's like reading an X-Wing book again. And Yeah, that Poe section blew me away. Yeah. The other two sections were okay, but that Poe one is essential reading. Yeah, and like the first, sent- the first sentence of that one made me go, oh my God, are you kidding me? <laughs> um, but yeah, Poe po was great. I think he was just exactly what he needed to be in this movie and like Oscar Isaac played him so well and just like he was funny, he was heartfelt and I just, I really can't wait to see him more. He's like, he's like Wedge, he's like Wes, he's, you know, I think I feel like people were like, all right, you guys like that Wedge guy? Well, uh, <laughs> let's make a character who's like him but make him more important. <laughs> um... Han of our hero of our legacy heroes had the biggest role. Um, and Old man Han is the best Han. Absolutely, definitely. Yeah, I have never been shy about not being the biggest Han Solo fan, but this movie like completely won me over with him. Like, I love old man Han. I love him as the mentor. Like, he does that role so well, and just like he was so funny. Everything he said was just like made me laugh. But he, like Harrison Ford, portrayed him so well, and you could like totally believe that this is what Han Solo would be thirty years later. You know. And again, it's another little subversion from the other films mm-hmm. where we had these wise Jedi mentors. Now we have Han, who is wheeling and dealing with pirates, and is telling Finn, "Yeah, if you're really gonna quit, just go off and do what you're gonna do." Yeah, and you know, telling them that the Force is real. <laughs> But it doesn't work that way. Oh my god, (laughs) that was the best. That's not how how the force force works. I I was like, oh my god, Han Solo is saying these words. What the hell has happened? Um, The amazing thing is Han didn't backslide. Right, he's still back to a smuggler and he's still doing his little schemes. But when the time comes to be heroic, like he doesn't hesitate. He's like, okay, fine, I'll go. You know, I'll go help Leia. Oh, fine, I'll okay, fine, I'll go look for Luke. Oh, Finn, the galaxy's at stake. We have like. He still has that heroic character arc he developed back in the original trilogy, and I like that they didn't backslide on it. Agreed. Yeah, um, I, I was, I love the the Rathars. I say is my pee break just because it lasts so long. But like the lead up to it, when he's with the two gangs, is so hilarious, and just like the the lines are just so perfect. He's like, "Have I have I ever let you down?" Yeah. Twice. <laughs> Chewy laughs. Chewy nods. And just again, so well acted. Like yes. he was hilarious in those scenes. And I was nervous going into the film that we were going to get cranky, gruff old man Harrison Ford. Yeah. But instead, we got old man Han Solo, which yeah. was a blessing. Tasu Leach. Good to see you. <laughs> and it's like like his lines with Maz and the whole like women always figure out the truth. That always gets a big laugh. And that's not how the force works is the best. And uh, another great Han line is uh, I never I never ask that question until I've done it. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that is that is a Han line if I've ever heard one. Yeah, you can tell they had a lot of fun writing for his character. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, 
probably skip the big big event and get back to that later. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that. <laughs> um, I was really pleased with Leia. I mean, she did not have as much to do as Han, but I liked the role that they gave her. General Organa suits her so well. And I was actually, I was most worried about Carrie Fisher because she hasn't acted in so long. And like, she's become Carrie Fisher, you know, <laughs> the caricature, like the space ant we see all the time. And I was worried. I'm like, am I going to be able to see her as Leia? And as soon as she came off that transfer, I was like, and, and you know, she goes, same jacket. I was like, all right, she's still Princess Leia. <laughs> Oh my gosh, General Organa. I gotta be my favorite. She recruited you to the resistance, Jay. Right? Right? (laughs) Like, she had both, like, the gravitas of this great general and this war leader, but she still had that that hope and idealism that Mm -hmm. you associate with Princess Leia. Like, you can tell how she got Poe and Akbar and all these people to surround her and fight for her. Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm not a loss for words, actually. She made you rethink your entire, you know, alignment in Star Wars, Jay. That's a big, that's a big thing. I know. <laughs> I don't. I, yeah, she was, her just being General Organa was great, but also her interactions with Han were so great. And, um, you know, her, the, the one scene that I love is when he goes, Leia, and she goes, don't do that. What? anything (laughs) and then you know then he's like i'm just trying to help she says when did that ever help when did that ever work and don't say the death star (laughs) yeah they had great they still had great chemistry and it's they they were able to convey so so much sadness over what had happened with so so much history yeah. yeah Yeah, you could tell that they've been through a lot together and that it wasn't just, you know, resuming from Return of the Jedi, but just through the way and the familiarity with the director. You could tell that they were a married couple for a very long time. Yeah. And I would like to think had things gone differently, they would have reconciled after the film, which makes it more poignant and heartbreaking. (laughs) Agreed. Um, I know a lot of people were upset, you know, that Force Awakens has ruined their OTP, but... I mean, considering what happened to their son, it is a lot more. It's it's very believable. Yeah, so many relationships don't survive the loss of a child. Yeah. And I remember, I don't know where I heard it, but someone told me that they were still married in the movie, that they were just... They, like, I guess they. I mean, to be fair, we don't actually know if they were ever married. Yeah. They could have just the had a space domestic partnership. Okay. Oh, really? Never mind then. So there, so I mean, they are, and they're estranged, obviously, but there is hope that they will end up, you know, getting back together. What and, I thought was really cute was how nervous Han was when Leia's yes. was landing. Like he was fidgeting. He's like, he's really yeah. worried to see Leia. That's adorable. Yeah, I know. And like when Maz had said that it was time for him to stop running from this fight before she said that it was the only fight with the dark side. I 100% thought she meant a fight with Leia. Oh <laughs> yeah. Um, I loved um, the, that how much faith Leia had in him, you know, and like that she's saying, you know, they had to reach out to their son together and Han's like, if I couldn't, if Luke couldn't reach him, why could I? And she says, you know, Luke's a Jedi. You're his father. And I'm like, oh my God, that's 
heartbreaking. Jeez. But it's like, it, you know, for as much as they'd been through and how annoyed she was at him, like to say that is, it's like a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's true. You know, he, he, he is Kylo's dad, not Luke. So, yeah. So yeah, Leia, hope we get more of her being general Organa being awesome. And I, I will say if they do go down the whole redemption route, she needs to be involved. Agreed. For sure. Because she did not do that in Jedi, and I always wish she had. And, you know, they, they're they not forgetting that she's Force-sensitive and she has she, these abilities as well. And, and Hasbro, if you're listening, six-inch Black Series Leia. Yeah. Organa, it has to happen. I mean, we're getting old man solos. Yeah. It's only fair. I also love that she says... Um, that sending him away to train was a mistake because another indictment of the old Jedi Order. Um, and also her saying there's still light in him. Like, how much does that mean? Like, we've all read the EU. We know what her history is with Anakin Skywalker. So for her to insist that, you know, her son is still... I mean, obviously it's different because he's her son, but still, that like hearing her say that was just like, oh... That's that means a lot. <laughs> but um, another character I wasn't very sure about that I was going to like was Maz Kanata. Holy crap. I loved her. Yeah. From her first line, I was sold. <laughs> yeah. Her attitude was very refreshing. Yeah. I was like, Han Solo. Also, uh, major props to Lapita Nyong'o. I had no idea she was that capable of being that amazing of a VO artist. Yeah. If I hadn't known it was her, I wouldn't have beforehand. I probably wouldn't have guessed that that was Lupita Nyong'o. Her voice was so different. Yeah. And it just had the that gravitas and it was like she was the Yoda, but without being the Yoda. Um, so I really, you know, I really liked her character and she was different and, you know, that she knew the she's not a Jedi, but she knows the force. So she got to, you know, play that role. Yeah, there's great just see- so much mystery about her that I need to know more about. Mm-hmm. It's great to see characters like Maz and Larson Tekka being so optimistic and hopeful about Jedi because we always hear Jedi proclaiming how great Jedi are, but it's good to see regular people who've been around for a while, especially Maz Kanata, still saying, no, we need Jedi. Mm-hmm. They're important. They're a symbol of hope. Please come back. Yeah. And like, and she is apparently is Force-sensitive, even you know though she's not a Jedi, so I find that really interesting and i'm glad that they are you know keeping that tradition of having force sensitive non-jedi force sensitives because i think it's important and she's still you know even though she's not a jedi she hates the empire <laughs> and the dark side yeah. yeah yeah um but i i know i like i liked her i liked her pirate castle i hope we see more of her and i just i you know she turns around and goes han solo and his reaction is great like hey moss and of course you can't yeah where's my boyfriend you can't forget that's one of the best lines of the entire movie (laughs) i like that (laughs) wookie i assume you need something desperately Desperately. (laughs) it's just like so cool because like you know like han solo is so larger in life and to see like this new character like hold her own with him in like five seconds is yeah sells it so i guess we want to talk about the real hero of the movie (laughs) BBA. 
the actual person who converted me to the resistance. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of hard not to deny that. He's he was fantastic, and I I am not ashamed to say I think I like him more than R two. I still like R two more, but. R2 is my favorite Star Wars character, so it was always <laughs> going to be hard to top. But I was super nervous about BB-8 because of how much I love R2-D2. And then BB-8 was amazing. I had no reason to be nervous. Yeah. I mean, in a movie where they managed to say so much without saying every anything, they... BB-8 was just that, so great. Yeah, we should have known that BB-8 was going to be awesome. He was so expressive. And like whoever, like the puppeteers doing him were great. Because, I loved him going down the stairs. Yes. But like, you know, the the moments that like stood out to me were like when, um, you know, Ray is kind of denying, you know, is like saying, don't follow me. And he's just kind of like wobbling back and forth a little bit waiting. And then she's like, OK. And then he like gets all excited and runs and follows her. Um, that moment, the thumbs up on the Falcon <laughs> oh is, God, the th- I mean, that whole scene, you know, with him, like looking back and forth at Ray and Finn and like, boo, 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 boo. <laughs> and when Han, when Finn goes, I'm not with the resistance and he backs up really quickly. <laughs> like, he's just so expressive and like everyone is laughing and Everyone laughs so much at that scene anyway, just because it's so humorous. But once BB-8 does the thumbs up, like, everyone loses it every time. Yeah. It was so... And um, another moment, this is really a Han moment, but that every no one really ever seems to catch when I see it, is when he walks past BB-8 and says, move, ball. That was... I love that <laughs> Yeah, I missed that somehow. Yeah, it was like as he's walking, like the first time he goes into the cockpit and then he comes out and he goes, some move milker put a thing on the compressor. It's right as he goes out, he goes, move ball. And it's really (laughs) quiet under his breath. (laughs) I didn't catch it until like the second or third time. And I'm like, oh my God, did he just say move ball? That was great. Um, And then, I mean, and then plus when he when they get back to the resistance base and he sees Poe and like knocks Finn out of the way, (laughs) rolling up to him. It's like when I come home and my dog jumps on me, it's great. And then Poe just going, Hey buddy. I know. Uh, Yeah. I loved the only, I, one of my only complaints about the end of the movie is that BB eight kind of like got pushed aside because he was kind of done. But I also loved him like, you know, pulling the the sheet off R2 and kind of trying to wake him up. It made me so sad, that scene. I Well, and then when he said, you know, he's been in low power mood ever, ever since Master Luke went away, I was like, oh my God, just put that knife through my heart. <laughs> R2's the sad dog on the grave. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, man. Oh. That's terrible. Oh, God. Shall we talk about villains now? I guess so. Now that I want to cry. So Kylo Ren, I... Watch out. (laughs) So I I have two big thoughts on this. First, Kylo Ren was the hot mess I was hoping he was going to be. Second, I did not expect to find him as compelling as he was. He was the biggest surprise for me of the whole film. I loved him. Yes. Um, Like, I, I think it started... I think I was solidified that i liked him during that scene with the messenger like the the officer yeah um 
because he said, you know, when he says, the, you know, the the droid escaped on a stolen Waichi, you know, freighter, and he goes, the droid, a droid stole a freighter. <laughs> the delivery was perfect. Yeah, and then, and that scene is so great because everyone in the audience starts to laugh as soon as you see how nervous that guy is because you're expecting that Kylo's going to flip out and kill the guy just like Vader. But then he just something, you know, something totally different. And everyone in the theater is just kind of like, what the hell is wrong with this dude? Um, And, you know, and then he snaps, you know, and says, what girl? So, you know, I, I was really surprised at how much I, not, I, I wouldn't say liked him is the right word, but. How much I liked the performance. Yes. I love the performance and I. They they nailed what they needed to do. I love to hate Kylo. Yeah. And like he and you can tell like when he takes the few scenes he has without the mask is like completely different. Like there's such vulnerability there. Um, and such fear and such yes. like you can really see that he's being torn between the dark and the light and he torn killed apart. it. It was so good. Torn apart maybe. <laughs> <laughs> too soon (laughs) yeah i was like i was worried about i was actually really surprised at how early on in the movie they confirmed that he was he was han and leia's kid um i suspected it and you know from the first scene with laura santeca um you know talking about his you know family i was like okay he's someone we know so he's either han and leia's kid or he's luke's kid um and then you know with when as soon as Snoke goes in the hands of your father. And I was like, okay, yep. Called it. But still everyone in the theater went, (gasps) (laughs) but I was really, I'm like, Oh, thank God they confirmed it early on. So we don't have to keep worrying, wondering about that. (laughs) Funny thing is people also gasped when he called the Vader his grandfather. And I'm like, well, who else did let Han have a kid with? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's force sensitive. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was, I was wondering that at first, but because the only reason though, and I find this, this this actually feeds into one of my theories about you know Kylo and Rey, but they Kylo never talks about Leia, even when he's having the confrontation with Han. He never mentions his mother. Everything is about Han, and so I feel like he blames Han for him not being as strong as he need, as he could be because Han isn't force sensitive, um, and sees him as weak. And it's kind of like you know the whole Voldemort thing with his Muggle dad. Like, I feel like it's the That's exact same thing. But yeah, I, I, I just found that so interesting. And the scene when he's interrogating Ray and he says, you know, Han Solo is the father you never had. You know, he would have disappointed you. I'm like, ouch. Damn. <laughs> but yeah, and I loved, uh, you know, it's, I guess this will lead us up to Hux. Is, uh, you mean Space Hitler? Yeah. is I love their relationship. <laughs> They like they hate each other so much and I think it is hilarious and I I just I can't wait to see more of their interactions now that Kylo has failed miserably. Where the animosity between Tarkin and Vader was understated. Yeah, this one's right out there. Yeah. Hux and Kylo hate each other. Yeah. But it's also like a sibling rival like they're both like yes. really really desperate for Snoke's affection. It's like, "Geez, guys, where's your daddy figure?" <laughs> daddy issues for both of them, I guess. Like Hux probably didn't have a loving father, knowing from what we know about his father. Mm-hmm. And Kylo, I guess, has issues with Han. So they're just both looking as to Snoke as a surrogate dad. Yes. Yeah. With Tarkin and Vader, there was a respect there. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think even though they didn't always see eye to eye, but with Hux and Kylo, yeah. they both just want to kill each other. And plus, because when um, you know Hux says, you know, careful, Ren, you don't want your personal feelings to you know get in the way or so whatever he says. But it is it is very clear that they that Hux knows who Kylo is, that it's not a secret, and that you know he probably doesn't like him because of that, you know. You know, he's just like, I don't care about you and your dark side-ness. I, you know, I just need to do my job. Well, also thought how fanatically, like, Imperial hardliners there. Hux probably thinks, well, why should the daughter of these rebels, you know, be on our side? I don't trust him. He's probably a traitor waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 I liked Hux. I thought Donald Gleason did a really good job with the, I mean, even the really cheesy speech, like he sold it on me. Cause I'm like, he's really having a good time chewing that scenery. See, the, the speech was too much for me. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like the way that he delivered that was just so over the top that I was laughing as I was watching it. <laughs> I can see that. It was, it, that was the only part where I was kind of like, yeah, it's a little, that's a little over the top, but. So you see why now I said with the resistance rather than the first order. I mean, compare General Organa and General Hux, right? (laughs) We need a rousing speech from General Organa. Oh, that would be so good. (laughs) Um, I was really glad we got a briefing scene, you know. Yes, I love the Star Wars briefing scenes. (laughs) They just make me happy. Yes. Um, And then there's uh, Phasma, who really does not do much in this movie at all. She's the Boba Fett of the movie for sure. But they're probably going to do more with her in the second movie. I want epi- oh, with how much Phasma stuff we've bought. They God, right. I oh want God, episode right. eight, the revenge of Phasma. <laughs> you know, I did. I I did like how you know, how, you know, Finn got to confront her later on, and that you know that was a funny moment. Um, but just like she was, like when she was there, she was very cool and a commanding presence. I liked that they you know, that she was just there and they did not, you know, note on her gender at all. Like, I think they call her her, refer to her as her once, like, what should we do with her? You know, which I was glad that they, because, I mean, you'd have to be dumb not to... But there's always some idiot out there. Yeah, there are plenty of dummies. (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, obviously she has a feminine voice, but people aren't going to pick up on that, so then for them to say, what are we going to do with her, like... I, you know, I, I was glad that they at least said it. Is there a garbage chute? Trash compactor? <laughs> yeah. yeah, there is. That was the other, that was one of my other complaints is that, like, I, you know, Phasma's fate is undecided, which, you know, which was, I guess is good because they can bring her back. But also, like, Maj just kind of disappears. And I know that she survived, but I was just kind of like, I would have liked to at least see her on the resistance base so we know she survived and she can come back, you know. So one of the one of the other characters that people have been conflicted about is Supreme Leader Snoke. You mean Darth Plagueis? Shut up. No. <laughs> Go sit in the corner. <laughs> Muting your mic. You're on timeout. <laughs> so what do we think of Snoke? I don't really have that much got, uh, right it's, now. It's a hard <laughs> read on him. I mean, I we know more about him than we did like the first time we saw the Empire and the Emperor and mm-hmm. Empire. Mm-hmm. But I don't have a good read. Yeah, I, he's such a new character. There. Yeah, I I feel like he's fine for what he needs to do. He's you know, I mean, it's kind of like how 
in A New Hope, you never saw the Emperor. And then in, you know, Empire Strikes Back, you only see him like once. And then he comes in in Jedi and is this awful, you know, sorry, Jay. Evil, I think you mean awesome. Evil figure. And I kind of feel like, you know, if, you know, may, Snoke pr- maybe didn't even have to be in the movie, but, you know, he we needed to have the scenes where he's like, you know, ex- you know, confirms that Kyle, you know, Han is Kylo's dad. And, you know, the whole like, you have to, you know, you're about to face your test. And I was like, his test is going to be to kill Han, isn't it? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah, it's like you said, it's like the Emperor in the first few films of the original trilogy. There's just not enough to really get a good read, but I'm sure we'll see a lot more of him later. I yeah. mean, they, they, they conveyed what they needed to convey evil and creepy. Yeah, definitely. Um, Snoke is still a better name than she. So much better. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot. And, and I really am interested to know, like, like if Snoke is an old figure, which I'm assuming he is, like, where was he during the empire? Are we yeah. thinking he's the guy at the end of Aftermath, or are we not? I'm I, starting to doubt it I, now. I thought he was, but now I'm not so sure. Yeah, I keep going back and af- forth. Well, Aftermath is pre-Jakku, right? So I'm just yes. figuring that Aftermath is going to lead directly into that with Empire's End. Yeah, because because the problem is, is what has he been doing for 30 years, you know? Yeah, and yeah. he doesn't strike me as military type. Yeah, I should note one thing from the novelization. There's a throwaway line where he references, I, I watched the Empire rise. So apparently he's been around for a while doing what? Who knows? Yeah. I, uh, I, that's just going to feed fuel to the plague is fire. Uh, damn it. That's, that was my first thought when I read it. I'm like, oh, God, not that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I, I, I actually doubt now that he was the mysterious admiral in, mm-hmm. at the end of uh, Aftermath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seeing him... In you know robes and not looking military at all or acting military at all gave me that same hesitation about aftermath now. Yeah, I, I'm definitely interested in learning more about it. Which I you know I think that's the the theme of this movie. I want to know more. <laughs> so yeah. All right. The big question: Who is Luke Skywalker? Or Tyler rather, Ren, obviously, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Funny enough, the guy at my work who was insisting that Luke was the bad guy did not come by my desk today to talk about Force Awakens. I wonder why. But uh, so, yeah, the question is, who is Luke Skywalker is actually where is Luke Skywalker? And the first line of the crawl made me make a very high pitched squeaky noise (laughs) (laughs) because I'm like, you know, okay, all right, I'm, I'm good. This is happening. Luke Skywalker has vanished. Ah, crap! <laughs> well, at least they got that one out of the way. <laughs> but I was like, oh, man, it's all true. But then, like, as I read more of The Crawl, and, like, I was like, Leia wants to find him, and she's desperate to find him, and that makes me happy because they're not forgetting that they're brother and sister. <laughs> and, like, you know, I've heard so many people complain that Luke ran off and abandoned things and that's not his style and i'm like were you watching the same movie i was because han you know says he was looking for something you know and he yeah looking for the first jedi temple like he has to go and educate himself more to fix the mistakes of what happened with ben yes um yeah so i you know 
as Luke fan, I approve, but I also am hoping for more of him in the next movie. <laughs> um, I pretty much, you know, resigned myself about halfway through that he was not going to be showing up anytime soon until the very end, um, you know, as the whole MacGuffin of the movie. I, I had a thought that he might show up during the Kylo f- fight, but I'm glad he did not because it would have completely overshadowed everything else. Um, yeah, it was important to let the new characters yeah. kind of come into their own without the shadow yeah. of Luke right on top of them. Yeah. And, you know, that was and I've read things from the screenwriters that that's, you know, why they chose to have him sidelined is because he, you know, as soon as you brought him in, he overshadowed everyone. Yeah, Michael Arndt said that Luke showed up earlier in some mm-hmm. earlier drafts that he did, but... Luke kept overshadowing things, so he just decided, okay, screw it. We're making Luke the MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I think it works. Like, I, it, the fact that everyone is desperate to find him and that he's still seen as an important figure and the hope of the galaxy, like, that even despite what's happened and that Leia is still, you know, doesn't blame him at all for what happened, that, like, means a lot to me. <laughs> Um, or, or Han either. I saw someone say like, you know, Han was pissed at Luke and I'm like, no, like, he, no. I'm like that, you know, he's ready to drop these kids off until they say the words Luke Skywalker and he stops dead in his tracks. Yeah. He oh, yeah. misses his friend. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I knew him. I knew Luke. Like, and I'm just like, oh my God, I want you. And like, that's, that's my one big regret about Han dying in this movie is not seeing him and Luke together again. <laughs> Cause that's sad. <laughs> um, should we talk about the ending now or later? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. Now. <laughs> All right, guys, go get a drink. <laughs> I'll be talking for a little while. I mean, obviously, you know, I would like Luke to be in a movie more than 30 seconds. But um, boy, howdy, did they make that 30 seconds count? Yeah, like the whole time she's walking up the steps, I was like covering my face and just kind of like, this is it, this is it, this is it, this is what we were waiting for. And then, like, I I can't stop listening to that track of the soundtrack, which is amazing. And like, there's the swell of the music as she comes to the top, and you see him standing there with his back to her, and it, it was just like. Every time I listen to it, I think of the shot in my head and I just go <gasps> like, <laughs> and it was, I like, I felt like such a dork because my heart was pounding during that whole part. And then like, I love how he, like, he lifts up his head bef- like she doesn't even have to say anything or announce her presence. And he just like lifts his head up and like, turns around and looks at her and, you know, takes his hood off. He's got his robo hand. <laughs> Which I want to know what happened to his hand. Did he get a new one or did all the, all the skin just come off? It's hard to maintain that skin when you're abandoned on a planet I by yourself. I guess so. <laughs> um, and I will say, like, even though I saw it out of the corner of my eye, I'm really glad I did not look at that leaked photo. Um, and I'm really glad he's wearing white. <laughs> So, right, given the visual language of the movies, the fact that, you know, Return the Jedi, black, here is pure white, that should tell you all you need to know about, no, Luke is not a bad guy. Um, so, wow, Mark Hamill said everything by saying nothing. Right. 
Like, I mean, I kind of expected him to not be in the movie very much. I did not expect him not to have any lines. <laughs> um, and, you know, being that it's Mark Hamill, famous voice actor, not having any lines, like, that that really shows some faith in him as a actor who can deliver this scene with just his face. And, dear God, like, I, I had said something on on. Twitter about how that was my chewy we're home moment and Pablo was like you know so much emotion in those eyes and I was like yeah like him and Daisy Ridley just the way, the way they, they looked at each other yeah like I like I know a lot of people say they don't they want Ray to be you know just Ray and not have to be related to Skywalkers and I'm just but like the way they looked at each other I know other. like they have to be related somehow like I know Jay you're on you're on the solo team yes but I mean, they have to be related somehow. There's too much of a connection there. If she's a solo and Han never mentioned it to her when they were hanging out, I'm going to be so upset. <laughs> Me too. Well, if they lost a child early on, they just don't, don't want to remember. I mean, he never mentioned having, you know, Kylo either. We don't look, you know, the day, uh, Daisy, Ray and Finn don't know that Kylo is his son until the actual bridge scene. Yeah. Which, and also, like, also, Brian pointed this out that, um, so your theory, Brian, is that Kylo is the one who left Ray on Jakku. Yes, my theory is Ray was present when, um, Luke's new order was massacred, and Kylo, in a fit of guilt, spared Ray. Mm hmm. And stashed her on Jakku where she'd never mm -hmm. be seen from again. Which is why it's important. To get she her. didn't hear Han say Ben. Yeah, he does. He never. She. He never. She never doesn't hear him say his name. Which, yeah, and Kylo definitely has recognition of Ray. Like yeah. when the guy mentions a girl, a scavenger, he freaks out. And why would yeah. a evil, scary dark sider get scared about a scavenger unless he has some familiarity with the situation? Mm -hmm. And also in the novelization, when they fight, he has a moment where he's like, "It's you." Mm. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. That's like when you, when she connects with the force, like he connects with her and he like recognizes her somehow and it doesn't go into it, but it's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, and it could be like where he, you know, if he did leave her there, it wouldn't necessarily be like he thinks it's her right away. He might suspect. And then at the end, after she, you know, opens herself to the force, that might be when it's confirmed like, okay, yeah, this is the girl. Um, another, and like another reason why I think, you know, she is Ray Skywalker, or I would, I think it makes sense is that Kylo has such, uh, so he's so self-conscious about his force powers and it seems like he's very insecure about them. Um, you know, and like I said before, he's, he, it seems like he blames Han for, not being as strong in the force as he could be. Like that's why he has to be dark side so he can be as strong as Darth Vader. Um, you know. So if Luke had a kid and let's just say his, you know, he had a child with another Jedi. It doesn't have to be because, you know, you could just say Luke would have a child stronger in the force than Leia. But if he if Luke had a child with someone who was a Jedi who was force sensitive and they have a child who's extremely force sensitive, Kylo is, you know, going off to Jedi training and feels so inferior to this new girl and will do anything to, like, increase his power. 
And I just, I feel like, like that sort of jealousy thing, it's like, you know, it's like sibling rivalry, but not because he wishes he had her parents, you know? And so, yeah, Kylo dumps Ray off on Jakku and Luke believes she's dead, which makes that last scene yeah. even more poignant and heartbreaking. I firmly believe that Ray, that Luke thinks she's dead. Yeah. Whether- the argument I keep seeing against that is, oh, well, how come he didn't feel her in the Force? You mean like Darth Vader yes. didn't feel Luke or Leia when Leia is two feet in front of him? That's what I said, too. And even if she is Leia's kid, he would still feel her in the Force because, you know, it's still a family thing, you know. But, like... No matter what, no matter what she is, whether she's just a former student, you know, like he or, you know, their family, it doesn't mean that he would feel her in the force, especially if she's hasn't been awakened, so to speak. You know, Vader never. Yeah, that's the whole movie is her awakening in the force. Yeah. Vader never knew that he had kids until. So I'm wondering. Even while one was standing right in front of him. (laughs) I'm wondering if Luke is sitting on scale like Michael and feels this awakening and he just refuses to let himself believe it. It's yeah. her until she's there. Yeah. Yeah. And it like the look, I mean, just the look on his face is just like, like people have said, he's not happy to see his long lost daughter. I'm like, would you be if you realized that you missed out on your child's life, especially considering the background yeah, it's, he had? It's not <laughs> it's that a he, happy, sad moment. It's yeah. not that he isn't happy to see her. It's that he's devastated that she was out there for there. 14 years and he wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. He he wanted to be the father he never had. And so if he's not, that's not, he's not going to be like, oh yeah, you're here. It's going to be like, I messed up, <laughs> you know? And um, I mean, at the end of the day, he wasn't looking at an old lightsaber like that. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, and like, sh- so like, I mean, cause they, they share a moment before she even takes the lightsaber out. Yeah. And once she takes a lightsaber out, he gets a look on his face like it like I I see dif- I see more things the more time I, s- I see it. But I just see like kind of a look of resignation like like, OK, it's time to make things right now. Um, And like I and also the theory that is very, very evil um, is that he is standing at a gravestone. <laughs> Yeah, I had some people say that too. It looks like it from one angle and then completely not from another. I think it's just ruins of the temple. I would like for it to be that because the idea that it's a grave marker for Ray is just heartbreaking. (laughs) Oh, I thought if it was a grave marker, it would have been for whoever the mom was. But like I said, I don't even think it's a grave marker. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and I've seen so many people saying, well, you know, if, if Luke, if it's her, if it's Luke's child, well, who's the mom? I'm like, do you, you don't have to explain that at all. Do you remember the original trilogy? And like, I'm like, we had many years before the prequels where we had no idea who uh, Luke and Leia's mother was and we did fine. <laughs> yeah, people are going out of their way to find arguments against it when there's so much more evidence that yeah. there is yeah, I feel a like connection. You have, I feel like you have to twist yourself into bigger knots to explain it away than accept it. Mm-hmm. And into knots that don't, even match up with what we've seen in Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. But Jay, you are on the solo side, so give us your argument for that. So basically, I think it's the connection she has, first of all, with Han, the way they're completely in sync with each other, the way that he acts with her, the way 
he might with his daughter if she were with him. And whether it's he sees her as a surrogate daughter or whether he thinks, oh, my kid would have been the same age, it's hard to tell. It's also the instant connection she forges with Leia. Like, she knows, knows instantly to hug Leia. They have Han and Leia's theme playing when they're hugging. And just her general aptitude, she's so much like the EU's Jaina Solo. I find that incredibly significant. And it could just be it could just be a coincidence, but the the parallels between the you know having the dark brother and having the mechanically adept pilot sister, it, mm-hmm. if it's not if she's not Han and Leia's kid, it's it's so close, it's painful. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, I always wanted her to be Han and Leia's, and so I would be ecstatic if you're right. <laughs> yeah. On the other hand, though, if she is Han and Leia's and it wasn't addressed before Han died, then the script writer should be drawn and quartered. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I mean, people say, well, Luke has got a lot of explaining to do if he's left, left his daughter on Jakku. I'm like, well, hot, you know, it, the, See, I, I, it, took, they, I don't think he did. It was did. for her protection. Yeah. Even if he did, it was for her protection. Yeah, but I, I don't yeah. think he did. If Luke was trying to get Ray, Ray to safety, he would have found his own Bail Organa to get Ray yeah. to. And yeah. nobody would have left a kid on that planet. Like if if Ray, you know, if Ray's, you know, Luke's kid or Leia's kid, she, you know, they were not complicit. They were not willing in having her yeah. there. That's my mm-hmm. The weird thing to me is that she got left with Unkar because that's definitely him, mm-hmm. which is taking baby Ray away. Which is why I I keep coming back to my theory that Kylo is the one who dumped her there. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I also, you know, and. Uh, I, I've noticed there was a few little moments when uh, when they play Luke and Leia's theme in Re- when Ray is there. Uh, the one of the moments is when Ray decides not to sell BB-8 to Unkar Plot. Uh, there's a little tiny cue of Luke and Leia's theme, which made me smile really big and makes me more think that there's you know. I mean, there were a lot of Luke-related musical cues. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of music. You know, I, well, I, it, it, specifically in regards to Ray. Well, the biggest one is the binary sunset the, is with the, the, the burning homestead, yeah. uh, which might be my favorite moment of the movie. Um, like when she calls a lightsaber to her hand, and it's the exact same cue from when Luke returns to the moisture farm, and you know, and sees. Owen and Baru dead and that's his call to action and that's you know it's the same for Ray that's her call to action um and I just feel that I, I mean that's such a Skywalker thing it's like she has to be from this family and also if she wasn't from the family why would the lightsaber call to her why would exactly. it not just be any random lightsaber you know it would have called to Finn or <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, yeah. Yeah. And when she calls the lightsaber to her, I just love because the first time we see Luke use the force to bring something to him, it's that lightsaber. Mm-hmm. If you're ignoring the noodles in Heir to the Jedi, <laughs> we are ignoring the noodles in <laughs> Heir to the Jedi. <laughs> that book should have been left in Legends. Yes. I'm reading a BuzzFeed article about um, Finn and Poe, their, their relationship. <laughs> it's very cute. But um, so, yeah, I. I mean, I think we are, we're all in agreement that she is still from that family. I think we're three against one, Jay. Sorry, but we are all I mean, no, definitely. No matter what, she's in the bloodline. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're all against Team Rando. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I, I mean, I understand the people's arguments, you know, but this. I, I this, said this on Twitter earlier. 
the episodic films are about the Skywalker family. Mm-hmm. But that just means it's about Kylo Ren. No, it doesn't, because he's he's not the hero. No, exactly. This, this trilogy is really about the Skywalker family because it's going to be all about how that bl- well, that bloodline straddles the light and the dark. Well, I mean, let's see. You've got this, you know, people are saying this basically apes the original trilogy. So the original trilogy, you've got a villain who's a Skywalker and a hero who's a Skywalker. So... Here you go. <laughs> and and I, I, I'm sorry, but these movies are not about Kylo Ren. Yeah. They're about <laughs> Rey. I mean, and it's just like, if it's and not- How unsatisfying would it be to have the whole trilogy be about Kylo Ren? God, yeah. it'd be awful. <laughs> and I mean, that whole, I mean, that whole scene especially becomes so, it just, it loses every amount of emotional weight if she is not either his daughter or his niece. Yeah. I just can't imagine there not being a connection with the way that they I looked at each other. Like those people that are saying that are I watching left, a very different I movie I left the me. theater. Like, I, I mean, I left the theater and I was like, oh, I wish they'd hugged. I wish, you know, maybe he'd given the lightsaber back to her or something or they'd said something. But like every time I see it, I leave and I'm just like, I, I don't get it. Like how, like, I mean, look at their faces. <laughs> It's acting. <laughs> and like, I'm why re- would Ray look like that at somebody that she's never seen before well, and has I mean, no connection to? And, like, she, and she dreams of the island. She dreams she of an she island. Does, she does. She's yes. from a desert and she dreams of an island. Why would she do that? Why would she touch the lightsaber and have Luke's memories? Because they're all Luke's memories. Like Cloud City, you know, you hear Yoda and Ben's voice because they were his mentors yeah. and taught him oh how God. to use the force. He, about hearing Kenobi's voice, that's bringing the Kenobi yeah. granddaughter rumor back around now, too. Mm. But it's stupid because he I, I hears feel, Yoda's voice, too. It's obviously the people right? who taught him how to use <laughs> I, the force. I feel that's like immediately the pe- my point is, oh, I guess Yoda is also her father. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get the people who say that Luke having a daughter is too complicated and then turn right around and say, oh, yeah, she's totally Kenobi's daughter. That's the complicated yeah solution exactly like i mean then you have to explain like a completely other relationship and what was obi-wan doing and like obi-wan's not there to explain everything luke is here to explain i fell in love got married we'd had you things went bad and i mean you don't even have to like it's obvious how does someone have a child (laughs) you know when a mommy daddy and a jedi daddy love each other very much it's right Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, but I, I I can't see her just being some rando no. force sensitive user. And I'm sorry that lightsaber does not call out to any random yeah. force sensitive user. I mean, I do it's a wa- very Skywalker lightsaber. I do want to see random, you know, Jedi. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it shouldn't be right. No. Agreed. Um. So another unanswered question. There's a lot of them, but the other one is why did Kylo Ren fall? I need to know. That is the biggest thing that I'm so curious about is what happened. All we How got was seduce him. Yeah. What happened with Luke? Like so many I want, questions. I want that. I think like of all the books, I like I left that movie and I was thinking I need 30 years of books right now. But like the book I want most is the rise and fall of Kylo Ren. Like definitely this. That's what legacy of the force should have been. You know, and I think that's why I'm able to buy this so much more than Jason turning dark is like we didn't spend 20 years watching Jason become a hero only to fall for no good reason. Like we met Kylo Ren as a villain. We want to know what happened to make him that way. And I would imagine that he was always a troubled teenager, Um, you know, and not like, you know, some happy animal loving joking kid, you know. So to have this kid who is, you know, 
troubled from the beginning and has this heritage and like wants to be as strong as his family and as powerful as Darth Vader. Like that kid's just, he's bad news. <laughs> I hope it takes a while to get there though. Like I hope it's not just like one book that's the fall of Kylo Ren, but we can kind of see it, you know, maybe the, tr- the troubled signs or even if it's, even if it is one book that we do get earlier books when he's like really young and you know they're you know we kind of see the seeds of Kylo Ren. I, I, yeah. I can see how it plays out is there will be multiple books showing a younger Kylo Ren, but I can see a total Lucino style rise and fall of Kylo Ren book. John Jackson Miller. Ooh, yeah. yes. And there's no rush to get to it either. No, like Pablo no. Hidalgo said, there's 30 years of stories there. We can take 30 years to tell them. And I, that's fine with me. I'm, right, I'm, we don't even need it before episode eight. Like, let let, let no. them like really put it on oh, a slow. We key. definitely won't get it before episode eight. I would no. be surprised if I, we get I, it before the end of the trilogy. I hope they don't. I want them to do everything they need to do with the trilogy and then go back and fill in the blanks. Yeah, Agreed. I mean, if we get any books during this time period, it's going to be stuff like an X-wing novel. Yeah, like I don't want it Which, to. Yes, please. Yes, oh my God. please. Yes, please. <laughs> but yeah, um, like and like I said before, I feel like I feel a lot of my my theories is that he had a lot of insecurity and a lot of jealousy and just, he wasn't as good in the force as, you know, his uncle or, you know, other apprentices and, you know, that's gotta, and also, um, let's talk about his name because I know a lot of people were annoyed about his name being Ben. I love it because it's a name we're familiar with. Um, and it's a name we also didn't expect um, because like when, you know, when Han walks out on that cat- catwalk and we're all thinking, holy crap, what's about to happen? And he hollers Ben, which is one of my favorite line line deliveries of the entire movie. Um, I, I gasped and I was like, oh, my God, they named him Ben. And I was thinking like, hey, OK, why did they decide on that name? And then also, like, how much does it mess with his mind to be named Darth Vader's master? Oh, I never even thought about that. That's awesome. Right? He's like, I, you know, I want to be like Vader and I am named Ben, you know, who Vader killed. So, yeah. I was still half expecting it to them to say Jason when he walked out <laughs> on the bridge. Oh, no. No, I, nothing carries the emotional heft of Ben. Yeah. No, it's definitely way better like this. It's just until they actually said it, I was like, is this actually going to say Jason? Because that's totally who this character <laughs> they, they is. Totally yeah. won't. And that's the thought was in the back of my head, too. Yeah. And like, I know a lot of people have said like that Leia should have named her son Bale. But that would not have had the emotional weight because most people wouldn't even remember what his name was, sadly. Um, but everyone remembers Ben Kenobi, you know. And my my theory is they named him Ben because he was the reason they met. And also the fact that Han Solo named his son after the crazy old wizard he dragged off Moss Eisley. Like, what does that say about him? <laughs> Who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool named after him? <laughs> Oh, nice, nice. Um, I feel like the next uh, talking point is very much up Jay's alley. Mm-hmm. The political state of the galaxy. I, I want the record to show I actually called this at Dragon Con this year. I think a lot. You did. Yeah, this was one of my, this was one of my predictions, and I 
people said I was nuts for it, but <laughs> I called that the New Republic was funding this privatized resistance. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was right. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> yeah, right, it's there's so much drama over the term resistance. Everyone's like, oh, wait, wait, did the good guys lose after all? Is the Empire in charge again? Yeah. And they um the before the awakening actually has a, some more insight into the resistance in the republic in post section. Once again in the post story, yeah. yeah. Um because you know like he he starts off as a republic pilot and is frustrated in the lack of action against the first order and uh you know eventually ends up joining the resistance. So like I find it really interesting. I do think they probably could have gone into it a little more, and I wonder if they're going to go into it more in the next movies, especially now that like the New Republic government is gone and Star Killer base is gone, and it's like, well, the galaxy is really crapped right now, isn't it? <laughs> it's like open season. Yeah. yeah, I do think they could have could have stood to explain more politics, and I know that Kasdan and Abrams have a big show, not tell policy, and they made a reference to the fact that we don't know what the Clone Wars are in A New Hope, but. I do think A New Hope painstakingly established that the Empire was in charge and that there was a rebel rebellion. Like Han talks about it, Leia talks about it, Tarkin talks about it, Vader talks about it. Like, they, they do establish what the central conflict was. And I think a big misconception that a lot of fans have that aren't plugged into interviews and background stories like we are is they don't realize that the good guys won. They don't realize that the First Order isn't actually in charge. And I think that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do hope we see more. And I, I am interested. I wasn't I wasn't planning on reading the novelization, but I feel like I want to read it now to get more of the that that whole side plot of Leia's envoy to the Senate. Oracella, Yes, yeah. I, I, I'm convinced that was the deleted scene. And I think that that would have done a lot to explain everything. And they probably cut it because, oh, politics sounds like prequels and that's bad. Or, yeah. I mean, I don't want to speculate, but I mean, I guess I am speculating. I, I think it may have just been uh, they were already at two hours, 17 minutes and something had to get cut. Yeah. Yeah. They could even have cut just... the cars. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, even just if in the opening crawl they had mentioned the sanctions against the Empire, just something to make it a little more clear how things progressed. Yeah. I do have to say, though, it's really cool and satisfying that the good guys did win. They established a new republic. It lasted 30 years. Like, that's something that's a lot more, that's refreshing compared to the expanded universe, frankly. Mm-hmm. Which every other week is a new galactic government. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I do have to say, the next movie is going to be interesting because the New Republic just had their Senate blown up and the First Order just lost this massive super weapon that they probably sunk every last resource they had into. Yeah. But apparently they do have a big fleet of some sort. Well, it looks like the New Republic lost most of its fleet around its capital. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the First Order gets a little more successful the second time around. The First Order strikes back. Yep. <laughs> Phasma Phas- strikes back. <laughs> Phasma versus General Organa. Oh, yes. man, that's not fair. <laughs> um, so and like one of the other things that I really liked about the the movie is that it dumps you into the story without explaining a lot, um, which is very a new hope. Um, and 
it's it's sort of a thing where you don't necessarily have to read all the background information to get the you know get what's going on but it helps like the novelization and you know the you know visual dictionary is has a lot of stuff and like even before the awakening has has a lot of stuff so and like this is like what i love most about star wars it's just like okay you go see the movie you love the movie now i want to go like talk about everything else and read every bit about the movie that i can <laughs> and there's so much out there to read yeah have you looked through the either of you looked through the visual dictionary yet yeah, I, I've read the whole thing, and it has a lot of great background information, you know, not just on politics, but characters and, and devices. There's a whole page on the Senate, which I love, because there's all these fancy robes and politics. <laughs> you know, what about also, hats? Are there hats? There aren't many hats, no. Oh, that's um, disappointing. But they do go, well, they do go into first order hats and first order <laughs> uniforms and what the <laughs> ranks mean. Like, literally, they wear armbands named after famous Imperial generals. They're so sad. Oh, it's my like, God, seriously? Oh, why there was that Tarkin armband rumor? Yep, yep. So, and that signifies their different ranks, so they don't have rank insignia. And now it goes into right. how weird the First Order is and the resistance being composed of former rebels and even technology and like how did the First Order get all the weapons? Like it, it goes yeah. into some really juicy stuff. Yeah. Um, what about, and you're reading the novelization, right? Yeah, I, 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 I finished it yesterday. Oh, okay. Is it good? It's good. And first of all, it opens <laughs> up with the, with, with the, with a quotation from the Journal of the Wills, which was just like, that's all I wanted from oh, man. the novelization. Really? <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's all I wanted. And it had it. And then, but it's, a, you know, it's a classic Alan Dean Foster novelization. So he's yeah. good with the mythic Jedi stuff and the turn of phrase and the politics. And mm-hmm. some of the parts are a little close to the movie dialogue. Other parts you can see are, are rather different, but it does have some great expanded scenes, especially again, the, the Leia and resistance subplot. And even going to the, some of the motivations of the First Order, like you get into Hux's head a little bit, which is nice. Mm-hmm. One of the yeah, thing- I'm looking forward to reading it. I'm just waiting for the hard copy. Yeah, I'm interested in the end scene and like what how, how it portrays that because like so much of that scene is interpretation and faces that I, I feel like it would not work well as a written scene, but I definitely want to read it. Yeah. Um. So what else? Do I mean, I just feel like okay. I feel like we can skip this section on plot because we pretty we well talked about it. it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, favorite moments. Can you pick all a favorite oh, moment? God. All of it. <laughs> you can't pick all of it. It's so freaking hard. This movie was just. There were so many amazing things that happened. Mine's really easy. Um, I loved when uh, Finn was watching Poe just destroy. <sighs> above is that the scene that you said that that me and brian would love (laughs) yeah 10 tie fighters in 10 seconds and just finn on the ground watching and it's so amazing i love that scene so much watching his boyfriend fly (laughs) and not even knowing it was him and just like that's a great pilot Mm -hmm. i have to pick one scene han offering ray a job in that whole sequence that was such a luke thing oh and it's okay. Like, hey, Chewie really likes you. Not me, of course. I'm super gruff. But yeah. Chewie, he totally <laughs> yeah. likes you. Yeah. Like, I, I, I watched that scene. I'm like, this is Han and Luke at the end of A New Hope. It's fantastic. I'm going to go pure nostalgia and just say Poe flying through that trench and taking out the oscillator because that just brought me back mm-hmm. to the first time I watched Star Wars and falling in love with it because of the Death Star trench run. Yeah. 
I so I've got a few, um, but I'll I'll narrow it down. Uh, Ray calling the lightsaber to her hand and that music playing, um, because like, I mean, I when I when I became a Star Wars fan, like I was never like you know most of the girls end up you know loving Princess Leia, and I I did love Leia, but I started. I became a fan right around when Thrawn trilogy came out. So for me, it was Mara. Like she was the character that I loved. And like the, when I was reading the Thrawn trilogy, like her being a Jedi and fighting like meant so much to me. So I felt like watching this movie and like watching Ray come into her own and accept her Jedi heritage was like that, you know? And I just like, I left the movie feeling really, happy that girls were going to have this character to look up to and also jealous that I didn't have this character to look up to when I was a girl. Um, but you know, it's, it's such, it's such a great moment. And I mean, as heartbreaking as it is, that scene with Han and Kylo is like, it's so well done. It was so artistically done. (laughs) Oh geez. Um, but I think I think if I have to pick a favorite, it's the end. And it's the Jedi Shocking. steps. I know, right? right. I I mean, I that, just that instantly is an iconic Star Wars scene. Though. It is, yeah. It's like, and my heart pounds every time I think about it. But my heart pounds every time I think of like the the Kylo and like every time like Han starts to go out, like my heart starts beating, and I'm like. Oh God, no, no, yeah, no! Yeah, for no. emotional beats, the Han and Kylo scene is my favorite. So let, let's... I actually swore really loudly when he came. <laughs> it was noticeably loud when, as soon as he walked on that bridge in the middle of the theater, so my head was just shaking back and forth. Well, let, and let's talk about that because we haven't talked about it lately. I th- I think most people who pay attention to Star Wars had a feeling that Han Solo was going well, to die. Well, yeah, in we this all movie. called that he was going to die the instant it was announced he was cast three years and change ago. <laughs> yeah. And Harrison Ford was so happy. Like, that that yeah. just bodes poorly. <laughs> that was what sealed it. Yes. Was Harrison Ford not being cranky during press. Yeah. Um, but I always thought that Han Solo was going to go out in a blaze of glory. I never expected he was going to die trying to turn his son from the dark side. <laughs> and that's why it bothers me that people say this is a, in a New Hope rehash. Because it's like, okay, but are you paying attention to how it's, it is, but it's not? Because, like no one would ever have expected that that's how Han Solo would die. And like for people like us who followed the expanded universe, we know what happened with Jason and that Han like had no interest in trying to save his son at all. So like for him to go out there and like put his life on the line, literally to, to reach out and, you know, you know, basically say my son is alive. We miss you. Come home. Like, it's so quiet during that scene until the music starts. And it's like, you can, you can hear like a pin drop in the theater. Everyone is just knows what's going to happen, but you know, hoping maybe it won't. And like, I really honestly thought that maybe he was going to be successful for a while. Um, yeah, I can't believe I had a moment where I thought he was actually going to succeed. Yeah. I mean, he almost did have that moment and then the sun went out and it was over. Yeah. And like the look, the look on their faces, like Han knows what's coming, but he doesn't run. He just stays there. And then, you know, like the music swells and it's like every, you know, Chewie row roars, you know, Ray and Finn like gasp. 
And then the music gets quiet and Han reaches up and caresses his cheek. And then I just start sobbing every time. I'm like, the last time I'm like, okay, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good. And then he did that. And I went, nope. Ah! <laughs> no. Because he still loves him and forgives him. It's such a, it's such a good scene. Like, I would never have expect, expected that the death of Han Solo would affect me as much as it has. Um and then, and then they to make it worse. I remember reading in uh, interviews about why Leia wasn't a Jedi. J.J. Abrams saying something to the effect of that they didn't forget that she was force sensitive. And then right after Han dies, they cut to her reaction, and I was like, "Screw you, J.J. Abrams!" <laughs> like, yeah, you're not forgetting she's force sensitive in the most horrible way possible. <laughs> How dare you! Anything else? I think that covers our favorite elements. I I think we're all depressed now. It is. It's so sad. Let's talk about funny things like BB-8 thumbs up. (laughs) That whole sequence. That should be an icon and emoji everywhere. It was. Well, I need that gift. And plus, like, like I was worried about the tone of the movie because everything we'd seen in trailers and stuff made it seem very serious. And like some of the TV, the TV spots were a little more like lighthearted, but like it wasn't until, you know, Poe did the whole who talks first, you know, that I was like, okay, this is yeah, funny. I think the instant that line came up, we all relaxed. Yeah. And, and like it carried through the whole movie too, which is mm-hmm. remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. It did. Yeah. Even like when they were trying to, you know, infiltrate Starkiller base, it was like, you know, the whole, you know. yeah sanitation and like the whole thing with phasma and like putting her down a garbage chute and like you know the ray you know being out in like the hangar and you know finn being like what's what are you doing what are you doing the face gesture (laughs) yeah and how poignant was it when like when uh finn was like what did he say and ray's like he said it was your idea and then she gave him a hug i was like oh that's so sweet well, it's two people who don't expect anyone to ever care for them, right? We have a stormtrooper yeah. and a lonely scavenger, and they find they find humanity, and that that's just so touching to them. Uh huh. Definitely. Um, what about for like the action sequences? What did what were you guys' favorite? I mean, obviously everything with X wings, but holy crap, the Falcon on Jakku! What an amazing bit of cinematography. Yeah. yeah, I think that was probably my favorite, just watching her get a feel for the ship and scraping it all over the place and that stall out move. Mm-hmm. And Well, it's funny, all the, the action that's not polished, like the unpolished flying or the unpolished lightsaber duel, like it felt so much more emotional and visceral because these guys are new at what they're doing. Yeah. And like the, the Ray and Kylo lightsaber fight is so raw. I think that might be my favorite lightsaber fight ever. Yeah, it's it's up there, definitely. It is, you know, it's she's she's very out of her league and Kylo is not at his full strength. And but it's like, I mean, as great as duels of duel of the fates is, just to watch, like I, I really felt like these two people wanted to kill each other. <laughs> Which which also makes me really excited for episode eight because I feel like Ray does use her anger and that's gonna be something interesting to try to you know, that she has to learn not to do. 
Yeah, novelization goes into that a little bit too. It so does well. if there if there's if there's a lesson today or if there's a message, novelization, very good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am Alan You're Dean shilling for Delray. Foster is not paying me to say this. <laughs> <laughs> shilling for Delray. Um, I think we talked about the humor before, but I think the funniest moment for me was uh, either the thumbs up or that's not how the force works. <laughs> uh, and finally, the music. I After the first viewing, I didn't have many impressions about the music. Then we downloaded the soundtrack and started isolating it. This Race is a sneaky theme. good soundtrack. Ray's theme. Ray's oh, theme is this, by far the best new piece. I love Ray's theme because it perfectly embodies her character. There's this there's this tone of optimism, but underneath it is this little undercurrent of sadness mm-hmm. and longing. And longing. Yes. They, they just play perfectly with each other. It, it's it's just an incredible Incredible theme, one of the best in Star Wars. And then it comes back in Jedi Step, but in a completely different, more hopeful context. And it's the same piece of music in two different contexts and two different emotional states. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, the Jedi Steps is probably my, you know, it's it's definitely my favorite from this soundtrack. One of my favorites. Like I just like the the music going from the original theme to you know cutting to the Force theme. Um, it's, you know, that's, again, one of the reasons why I think it's, you know, obvious that she is part of this legacy is because, you know, that theme <laughs> is synonymous with Luke and his family. So, um, but and I loved all the way that the previous, like, musical themes were brought back, like that they used Han and Leia's theme, like, like during their scenes and even like the very tiny bits of Luke and Leia, which makes me really hope that we get a reunion scene with them and they they we get to have that theme again because it's such an underrated one that's actually something i forgot to mention when we were talking about ray skywalker if there's no connection between them why wouldn't leia have gone to see luke herself yeah exactly exactly it's a good point (laughs) i mean they sent chewy and r2 which i love that they sent r2 there (laughs) And I wonder if, like, you know, afterward, like, I wonder, like, I want to know, like, what happened beforehand. Like, I want to write a humorous fanfic where Luke is sitting on the top of the temple and it's like, is that the, is that a ship? Is that the freaking Millennium Falcon? Oh, God. <laughs> so, like, damn it, Han, how do you find me? Yeah. Oh, no. Aww. But that makes me think, like, and that that makes me sad because then I think, like, you know, the people were like, why does Luke look so sad? And it's like, well... A bunch of people just died on Hosnian Prime, and also he probably felt Han die. Yeah. And blames himself again. Because <laughs> that's what Luke Skywalker does. <laughs> Damn it, uh, Kylo Ren, you're the worst. He is the worst. Urgh! Hate him. Um, but and I loved like how they used like the um the rebel fanfare on the first view of the Falcon. Yeah. Yeah, that was perfect. Um, and just like a lot of, like, I loved, um, I love the Sherzo for X-Wings. Like it's, it's, it's a very hopeful, reminds me of the Battle of Yavin theme. Um, and I really liked like a lot of the more, like, I didn't notice it during the movie, but on this soundtrack, like the music for the first order is very ominous. (laughs) Yeah. It's not the bombastic Imperial March. It's just like a very 
heavy and, and, yeah. and you know, percussive mm-hmm. sound. And I love the music when they are, like, uh, escaping from Jakku. Um, and they use it in a few of the other action sequences. Because it's, like, it reminds me of kind of... Um, Django's escape from Attack of the Clones, like the way I and like when uh, Obi Wan is riding the lizard in Revenge of the Sith, how I just want to like move around in my seat and go. Bup, 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 bup. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, Force Awakens. Also, I love the Cantina music, and I'm oh, really yeah. sad it's not on the soundtrack. Yeah, it's the, I don't know why it isn't so good i am very i'm very pleased that the soundtrack seems to be in chronological order and contains most of the musical cues um although it does not contain the musical cue from when ray gets the lightsaber which makes me sad because that's the best part (laughs) um so how many how many times have you guys seen tfa so far Three and I'm about to leave right after the podcast. Or maybe right now to go watch it. <laughs> okay, I wasn't should... planning to, but I want to now. I've only seen it twice. I'm on the low end of the scale so okay. far. I think we've got number six for tomorrow. Yeah, we should probably buy tickets. We were we were gonna go before Christmas, or we were, we weren't gonna go until Christmas, and then we were like. I don't want to wait five days. I can't, and then I was like, Christmas isn't until Friday. I can't wait until them to see it again. Are you crazy? That was my same thinking. I'm like, I can just wait till Saturday. No, I can't. I, really I mean, can't. like, and people say, like, well, doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't change. I'm like, it's like, seriously, like, I've never really had a experience like this with a movie where, like, I like every part of it. And, like, even the parts that are just, I'm kind of like, okay, I can go pee now. Like, there's still parts of them that I like. And, like, every time I see the movie, I like it. More. It's also the crowd experience. Like this is this is you know it's going to be in theaters for a while, but like it's still fresh for a lot of people in the audience, and th- there's nothing quite like that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, what do you say we wrap up our review there? Okay. Uh, so we can, so we can let again. Jay go see Force Awakens again. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go. You can introduce or you know. Jay, where can we find you on Twitter before you go? Admiral Jello on Twitter. All right. He writes for 1138. Bye, Jay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, where can we find you? Um, I'm uh, at Brian underscore NOV on Twitter. Cool. And you write for EU Cantina? Occasionally. Occasionally. And you have a, don't you have a gaming podcast? That's sort of coming up. Yeah. Vader's Gamers uh, for Twitch. Sweet. Thank you for reminding me about that. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I'm here to help. <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and wrap things up there. This episode of Tashi Station Radio has been brought to you in part by Her Universe and you, our Patreon subscribers. Uh, Check out the links on the blog. Help us keep the lights on. On Twitter, you can find us with the handles Tashi underscore station. That's the official show account. You can find Nancy with Nancy Pants. That's Nancy with an I. You can find me with Lane Winry, L-A-N-E-W-I-N-R-E-E. On Facebook, we are the Tashi Station Network. Uh, We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Uh, You can find our columns and news at Tashi-Station.net. Thanks for listening to another episode. Now go see TFA again. May the force be with you. Always.
This podcast has been brought to you by Majestic Giraffe Productions and is the official podcast of TashiStation.net. All Star Wars names, music, and logos are property of their respective trademark and copyright holders. Tashi Station Radio is not endorsed by Lucasfilm or any division of the company. Now go pick up some power converters. Oh,